We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague, and introducing our special guest. Uh, not only is the Trailblazers TV analyst, but the 2010 Blazers slam dunk champion during the summer, <laughs> Lamar Hurd, the Prince of Bunnies himself. <laughs> you went deep into the archives for that one. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, I will plug the link so that you can have it. I will put it in the chat right now so you can see. That. Lamar Hurd in his absolutely insane hops back in the day. That's was, the day when everything was functional, Danny. Hey, listen, man, I remember the, I remember functional body days. It's it's been a, it's been a money. Yours yours was a little more functional than mine on the on the vertical. What, you, you look like you about you about 39, 39 inch vertical. Uh the highest I ever tested that was 44. <laughs> 44? <laughs> yeah, but I I didn't I didn't use it until I started my career overseas in Germany. Mm. There's I, a buddy of mine sent me a video of this recently. I played with him in Germany. He lives here in Oregon now. And there's this game where he's throwing me a full court lob. Um, I had another dunk in that game. And it's stuff that, I mean, I dunked at Oregon State from time to time, but nothing like that. Like my head was all over the place then. So I like, I didn't get it all together until basically it was too late. <laughs> And uh, so, like, there's there's dunks I've done in a dunk contest or other places that nobody ever saw if you saw me beforehand. Uh, but, yeah, it was – so people later on in life believed it when I said it was 44. Uh, but if you saw anything before that, it'd be like maybe 39, 38, okay. yeah. knocking on that door. Which is but still, yeah, was, like, insane bodies. Yeah. It felt good to be able to get up there. <laughs> How often, Lamar, when you think about college and maybe what your where your mind was then versus like where it was in Germany? Oh my god! I mean, you have a great you have a great life. You had a great great career, but like, how often do you just if you're by yourself, you're bored, you randomly go through your mind of game moments? You're like, what? Why was I just standing there, not being oh, more aggressive? Um, maybe not all the time, but frequently, where I don't revisit it as man, I wish I can go back and do that again. Cause I know mm -hmm. I can't. Right. Uh, but what I try to do is, is spin it forward and apply it and just make sure not to make the same mistakes again. Mm. Like during that time, I was a, 
I was really big on, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it people pleasing because I wasn't seeking out to please people. I just liked when people were happy and like in a good mood. And I liked when teammates like playing with me. I liked when the fans who would come into Gill Coliseum felt like they had something to cheer about. Like I'll never forget one time uh, before the Oregon, Oregon State game, it was my, my freshman year. Uh, we had Jimmy Anderson come and talk to our team former Oregon State coach, Jimmy Anderson, came and talked to our team in the locker room. And he was so worked up about telling us about the history of the rivalry. And he got to the point where like he started crying while he was telling us about it. And I felt so much emotion from him that like I started crying too, because I was like, man, it means this much to this dude. It's gotta mean that much to me. He's a part of our Oregon State family. I want to make sure when we go out there and play in this game, like we represent him well. And I know if he feels this way, he's not the only one that feels this way. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing you do find out really quickly when you're an Oregon State student athlete. If there's one game that the fans want to see you win every year, it's the game against Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so like stuff like that, I would carry with me, maybe not in the healthiest of ways. Like there's probably sometimes <laughs> I should have left the arena and just forgotten about it. Right. Like that stuff would get to me. And it would go, it would like transfer over into the next game or that week of practice. And I'm thinking about, man, I let, I let the fan base down or I let this instead of just hooping and -hmm. just playing ball and just doing things. So um, it is, it has helped me tremendously, uh, Brandon, because I took so many lessons from that and have kind of applied it into even my broadcasting career where I'm on TV my voice goes out to a lot of people. Some people like that. Some people don't. Some people are indifferent. Some people will vocalize how they feel. Some people won't. Um, there's a lot that comes with it. And so, like, I'm glad I learned certain lessons during my playing days that have helped me know how to move forward with now professionally. Because otherwise, dude, I'd be a, you'd, you'd be, like, really messed up mentally. Like, I, I know a lot of people in my position when I talk to them. They struggle with some of that stuff, like just what comes with being a public voice and the fact that you're open to hear from other people Mm -hmm. and that impacts how they didn't go about and do their job. And um, for me, I I just got a very early trial run at what that is like, and it has impacted my life greatly. Um, I do. I do wish I wish that I would have been in a better position at that time to have handled it better because there were a lot of things I wanted to accomplish at Oregon State. Like I played on a team that made it to the NIT and that was a big deal, but we wanted to play in a tournament because prior to when I got there, the team hadn't been to the NCAA tournament or postseason play or a winning record in the 13 or 14 seasons prior. So the NIT was like this big deal. And I was thinking, I didn't come here for the NIT. Like we wanted to get into the NCAA tournament, but there were times where I wasn't in the headspace to do that. So to answer your question, man, I, I reflect on it often and it's made me really grateful to have gone through that experience and to have had the opportunity in some other way to spin that forward. Cause not everybody gets that chance. Sometimes, you know, people look back at certain careers and there's not like a second chance to, to make right what you felt like maybe you could have done better. Um, that was significantly more inspiring than uh, I, I thought we were going to get into right after <laughs> Look, I was expecting like a quick answer, and I was going to say, yeah, I had a game in high school that I always think about, and he's out here like, 
and I'm a better man. Like, yeah. minutes later, I'm like, damn, okay, what an answer. Brandon no, and I are I, sitting here dealing with imposter syndromes every day on the radio, <laughs> and he's talking about how, you know, I've gotten past all that, and I'm a better man for it. <laughs> Brandon and I are just sitting here like, we want to die a little bit on the inside every time we come uh, home. Man. <laughs> no, no, but, like, it's no, um, it's not to go too much farther in it, but I do think it's a really big deal, man. There's a, yeah. It is. Like there's a lot of people that look at things that we do, the, the access we have to a team like the Blazers and other sporting events, and um, they're not fully aware of everything else that comes with that. And uh, kind of like how rooted you gotta be with just kind of like who you are and what you're about. Cause if not, like if you don't know who you are and what it is you're trying to do, somebody else will tell you who to be and how to go and do that. And now you got these different voices and you're trying to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. So um, I get an opportunity a lot of times to talk to like young people who aspire to be in roles like we're in. And like, I wanna lay it all out for them. And I, I wanna give them the real of, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's a lot of fun stuff and you know, some of the glitz and glamor that comes with this and all that. But here's some of the other stuff that comes with it too. And it's not necessarily bad stuff. It's just stuff that can be challenging, especially if you don't get a good grasp on it. Yeah. So um, I, I just I can talk about that all day because I, I really do think it, it really impacts just your life at the end of the day, like your decisions, the decisions you make, how you move forward. It really can impact you. It's it's the real of it. Um, I don't want to go away from this because I, I love where this is going, but there's something I have to ask you about and why I, I set you up with the uh, the vertical conversation is because the trailblazers have a young guy and, and shade and sharp who you've gotten to see up close and personal. And, um, one of the cool things is that you guys have access to practice now and you're able to kind of see from draft day, kind of the ramp up as they get ready through camp and the opportunities there. What have you seen from this kid so far? And a guy who was the, a mystery on draft night. All right. <laughs> Where do I start with this one? Because uh, there's a lot I can say about Shade, and I actually just had a really good conversation with him a bit ago, and I'll get into that in a, into that in a second. Uh, for me, when I when Shaden first got drafted, like we kind of had a hunch that he would probably be the guy. You read certain reports. Um, you guys, you've had Joe Cronin on this show. You know how awesome Joe is and how transparent he is to the level that he responsibly can be. So uh, you could kind of see like where that was going. But in all honesty, I did not know a month prior to the draft that the team would be pay- would be taking a kid that didn't play college basketball at all because it was all about building around Dane. And what does that mean? And I didn't know that there was a teenager available that you could plug into the lineup and say, this is still building around Dane because mm-hmm. this kid might be ready from day one. And also you give them a year or two, who knows what you're going to get. So um, I remember shortly after he got drafted, I I did an event with uh, Joe, with Dwayne Hankins, our our president of business operations and and with Chauncey Billups. And I got a chance to talk to Joe there a little bit more about Shaden and just his feedback seemed really encouraging, like not the fake stuff, not the, not the fake. I got to tell you this dude is good. Even though Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like real stuff. So I was always, um, I was excited to then see him play because I hadn't seen him play at that time. Then I got in there before training camp even started and watched the team practice a few, like it was just pickup play, mm-hmm. pickup ball. And I kid you not, like the first day, it was like, okay, 
I get why he was the seventh pick. Mm -hmm. I get why they feel so good about him. I get why they feel like this is still Dame's timeline. There was just the, um, I know people have talked about the ease that he plays the game with a lot. There's certain shots he was shooting that day where just watching him shoot it, I kept thinking like, how's he shooting that so easy? Like that shot, he wasn't even making all of them. Mm-hmm. It was just the fact that he could get it off in the way that he was shooting it. It's like, you shouldn't be able to shoot that shot that easy. Not as a rookie. Some dudes get stronger. They learn how to shoot with distance. Some people's shot from distance is a little bit different than their shot from 16, 17 feet. Like there's all these variables that it seemed like he transcended somehow. And then there were these plays that he made on the floor where athletically you just saw it right away. I remember there was this dunk along the baseline that he reversed dunk. And I thought like, okay, well, that was different because I didn't even think he was going to try to dunk that. And then um, somebody there on the staff, they came and sat by me while I was watching. And they said, if I had to give him a comp, the comp that I could think of. And then I said, Devin Booker. And he said, yeah, but no, something more tenacious. And I said, Devin Booker, because Shaden says he tries to model his game after Devin mm-hmm. Booker. And the person who I sent him, I said, think Latrell Sprewell. The way that Sprewell used to like attack the rim and try to dunk everything, mm-hmm. he's like, watch, this kid tries to dunk everything. Because this staff member had seen Shaden from the day he was drafted. This was my first day seeing him. Mm-hmm. And as you guys have seen so far, if Shaden is within distance of the rim, <laughs> he's going for it. Even even if like you're quote unquote not supposed to, the tip dunk attempt he had at the Lakers, oh, where he jumped outside the rim, the, out the, of the tomahawk. Yes. Who does that? Oh my lord. Who, try, who tries to catch that and dunk it? And legitimately though, like it wasn't the fake stuff of like, I'm I'm trying to create a highlight. Mm. It's like, no, he really thought he's gonna dunk it. The the drive he had at Sacramento, like some of his best highlights have been misses or mm-hmm. Or just not completion. The drive against Sacramento in the first half, when he drove the baseline and extended with his left hand um, up above the rim, that was crazy to me. As soon as he did it, Rasan Gathers, who you guys know, uh, our our VP of PR communications, he turned around immediately and looked at me because prior to that, we had seen Shaden do other stuff. Yeah, but the look was like, did he just try to? (laughs) Was that? That's the kind of moments Shaden has created. So yeah. this has led me to, I, I'm getting into that conversation. I have a shade in. Um, I, I wanted to know, I always, when I see guys jump like that, I'm always really curious of how long have you been doing that? Mm-hmm. And I say that because Danny, you started off asking me about my vertical and all yeah. that. Like I couldn't always jump. I was a junior in high school. I hadn't received a division one offer yet. An assistant coach from the University of Texas came to my high school and watch my team play. I played on a team that was a top 25 team in the country. All my, like my other teammates are being recruited. I wasn't being recruited at that level. The coach left and said, when my coach asked for um, an observation of me, a a report card grade, so to speak, the coach said, he's skilled enough. He can pass it enough. He can shoot it enough. He's smart enough. He's not athletic enough to play at our level. And that changed my life. Cause at that time, I had moved out of my mom's house to go to this private school. Like I made some big sacrifices to go to the school. And I was like, if I don't get a scholarship, it's not going to be because I'm not athletic enough. So I just went full steam ahead. I did this whole jumping program uh, called the air alert. I committed to it for like three and a half months. 
I remember reading in a Slam magazine that Ray Young, who used to go to UCLA, I don't know if you guys remember him back in the day. I remember reading in a Slam magazine that Ray Young did a thousand calf raises a day. And that's what contributed to his 40 inch vertical. So I was like, my back's against the wall right now. 1,000 is not good enough. So I did 2,000 calf raises a day for about three and a half, four months. I, I kid you not. After the first week of doing it, my calves got so tight that I had to miss a day of school. And that's when my mom, my mom was like, hey, you got to kind of re, you know, redo this and rethink about this. So that's when I, I pulled back. And instead of going every day like my plan was, I went six days a week and I rested one day just to make sure because I couldn't walk. I'm serious. I couldn't walk. So I went through this whole process where then my vertical leap went up like over a foot within three months. And then that's when my recruitment started. That's when I started hearing from D1s and the offers started coming in because athletically I became an entirely different player. So when I see guys that could jump, like that's kind of where my mind goes first is like, when did it start for you? And I remember I had the same conversation with Anthony Simons, who he didn't start jumping until later on in his high school career. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was talking to Shaden and um, I said, I said, okay, the way you jump now, when did you even start knocking on the door of that? And I thought he was going to say, as long as he can remember, he was athletic. It was basically like two or three years ago where he started jumping the way he's jumping mm -hmm. now. And so I said, well, what happened? What was the difference for you? And he said, when he broke his leg around the eighth grade year, that's when he came back, was rehabbing the leg break and just started taking some of those leg workouts really seriously and really focused in on it. And that's when he just started bouncing. Um, but it wasn't even like ninth and 10th grade, he started bouncing. He's like, it really wasn't until 11th grade, 12th, 12th grade. And he bought up Greg Brown the third. And he's like, I don't have like a mixtape like Greg Brown the third. I wasn't like, I, I, you guys maybe have seen GB3's high school mixtape. It's crazy. It's insane. Mm -hmm. You would think he's the best dunker of all time, mm -hmm. which, <laughs> which, he, he might compete for one day. Who knows? Right. But but Shaden was like, no, I wasn't doing all that. And so I was like, OK, that's that's pretty crazy that you went from like not jumping to what you do now, because like you're you're an elite. You're like a top five jumper in the league, mm -hmm. like legitimately. Yeah. And so then I wanted to know from him, OK, so maybe then if you weren't jumping uh, like Anthony, like myself when I was in high school early on we at least shot the ball. Like that was our thing. We weren't athletic, but we shot. So I was like, so like, when, when did you become a really good shooter? He was like, I was a horrible shooter early in high school. And I said, that's what I, Brandon, the look you just gave. Well, yeah. Cause I, I think I'll just, I, I'll add to this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm one of those idiots that like brags about shooting, right? Because yeah. I think if you play basketball, you have an eternal belief about yourself. Yeah. Usually when you're a shooter, you're always been a shooter. You don't just... That's what I'm saying. You either got a ratchet or you don't. That's what I'm saying. You got it or you don't. Yeah. Like from sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you can shoot the ball. Yes. I know. (laughs) So when he said that, I kind of had the same look. And I said, what do you mean you weren't? He was like, man, I just wasn't. It really wasn't until like my junior or senior year where I could jump. I could shoot. And I felt like I just had everything. So that like changed my whole perspective of. Like what the game really does come easily to you in a way that doesn't happen to other people. Man. Like you don't just be because he can shoot it easily now. He can shoot with range. His shot looks, it looks like it's going in every time he shoots it to every me. time. Like, yeah. It's easy. Mm-hmm. And so it just really tripped me out because most people, when I talk to them, most athletes like that, like there is a timeline where that journey has started a lot sooner. So when I think about Shaden now, even like it's it's even different now than before I just spoke to him recently, mm-hmm. where I was already super high on him. Now I'm so I'm so um curious mm-hmm. of how good because I don't I don't want to be the dude to be like, dude, like it might re- this might really be a super superstar mm-hmm. here. Cause I've never experienced that in my seven years here where yeah. The team has drafted someone who you look at and you're like, this could like be one of the greats. Mm-hmm. When they like we there's guys on the team now who and I, I don't want to um say Ant can't be that guy or somebody else. Like I think Ant will be an all-star and all that stuff. I'm talking about like when you start talking about that conversation, like when generation when, they, when the when the Lakers drafted Kobe Bryant one day and said Baby Kobe. You're feeding into him, Lamar. Baby Kobe. He's been calling him Baby Kobe. I've been calling him Baby Kobe <laughs> since I saw him. I, I love the kid's demeanor. I think he's got the right attitude, and he doesn't ever, Lamar, ever. He's never been on the floor in his six-game career. And I'm yeah. like, oh, man, they put the rookie, and I'm a little concerned here. Not one yeah. time has he had Me that either. moment. That's Baby Kobe. So so that's what I'm so – I. I Please don't don't take this as me saying he's going to be the I'll next say Kobe it. Bryant. I'll say it. Okay, I'll you say can it. have that. I'll say it. You won't. Okay. I so so what so what I am saying though is if he turned out to be that, I legitimately would not be surprised. It's not shocking, right? That's I would not be shocked at all. Chauncey's I don't a- know that it will happen, but yeah. So like that's where I'm at now with him, and like I don't want to overreact and all that, but I'm just saying fundamentally where he is right now, based on the timeline he gave me. That doesn't make sense all the way. Like there's mm-hmm. something different here. So I'm super excited about him, man. I uh, I love the fact that you you hearken back to a familiar time for me. And I think a lot of people in our age range, because uh, I, I can remember vividly as a 5'7 white kid reading Slam <laughs> and seeing the jump shoes and going, damn, I wish I could afford these, yeah. man. I, the air I alert. Got, uh-huh. The air alert. Yeah. The yep. air alert yeah. jump soles. And I'm like, if I get this, my game's going to a different level. <laughs> I never got them. Uh, let me ask you. So Shaden's being developed. 
it surprised us. You don't have to say if it surprised you or not, but he's immediately inserted into their first game, right? He gets these minutes. Whoa, here we go. Mm-hmm. He's got a big game tomorrow on ESPN. I want to ask you the coaching thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's evident that buy-in, that trust, that belief in each other is, is there, the camaraderie that you want to see. As somebody who knows the game on a much deeper level than all of us, what do you see with Chauncey from a, an actual coaching standpoint that like pops to you with what he's doing with this group? Uh, the, that's a that's great timing for that question. I just talked to Chauncey today um, about some of that very thing. And I think the thing that stands out about him is the same thing that stands out about our leadership across the board. So if you look at Joe Cronin, the general manager, if you look at Damian Lillard, uh, Dwayne Hankins, who I named earlier, all of them have a way about their leadership where they don't scare you into following them. It's not a my way or the highway approach. It is a, they, they lead by example in a way where you feel inspired to come along for the journey. Like with each of those guys, if you, I, I would imagine this is how a lot, if not all of the players feel. When Chauncey draws up a play, if one of the guys goes out on the floor and forgets to play, I would imagine based on how he leads and how I see them connect with him, that it's almost like that feeling like uh, when your parents or your guardian or whoever, your mentor tells you they're not mad at you, they're just disappointed. Mm-hmm. It's that same vibe where it's like, man, I didn't even want to disappoint you because you've been so good and respectful to me as a human, as a person. You've connected with me in a way where I want to be a part of uplifting whatever you're doing. I think Dwayne gets that on his side of things. I think Joe gets that. Uh, Dame gets it as a player. And I think Chauncey has gotten that with his crew. Like there's times he was talking about this today. He's like, there's times where after a game, they'll come to the video session the following day and he'll tell the guys like, man, you know what? That challenge, when I, the timing of that challenge, I messed up. That shouldn't, I shouldn't have issued that challenge. Like that's how he'll start the meeting with what he did wrong to put it out there. Like, I'm not here to just point the finger and say, you did, you did this and this is this. It's all about winning and the team. So if I, as the coach did something that I feel like did not contribute to us winning, I'm going to be the first person to tell you what I did. And then we can talk about what else everybody else did. And then it's not taken personally because it's clear that the team is, is what's first. And I think more than anything, that's what he's done. And it's one of those things where you can't always point a finger to it. Like there's not always this big tangible example or time that you reflect on and say, that was the moment that he connected or that. It's really about how you carry yourself and who you are within yourself and who you are to other people. And I really think that that's what separates all of those leaders. Like there's a level of consistency they provide all the time where um, you just feel like you're on board and you're doing the same thing. So I think he's gotten that buy-in from these guys now because they've all just felt over a, a certain amount of time, like, man, this dude is for us. Like he's trying to help his team first. It's not about him. And I really just think that that's what's rubbed off. And I I speak a lot of times about how I feel like Dame is as good as it gets as a leader. And there are some, there are some tangible examples I could point to, but beyond that, it really is who he shows up as every day. 
and how he connects with people, that is just different. And it doesn't happen that way. The way Chauncey connects as a head coach with everyone, not only on the team, but a support staff. With Like, I've had them tell me stories. I've had people on our H&P, health and performance staff, unsolicited, tell me about, man, Chauncey, he asked me um, what I thought about this, this, this. And that's foreign to me. I'm not used to a coach asking about that. And that's no shade on any coach prior. That's not saying a certain coach before didn't do it the right way. It's just Chauncey does it a different way. And it's a way that connects. It's a way that then leads that staff member to feel like, I want to talk about this because this is the greatest thing. Like I've never had this happen. I feel, and you feel a certain level of inclusion. And once everybody like feels like you're doing something together, that's when a team can become powerful. And I feel like in the first few games here this season, I've seen this team play together in ways that I just, I, I haven't seen at this level uh, before. I've seen some great basketball. I've seen some star play, um, huge games, highlights and all that. It's just been different this season in a way that has, has felt different than any seasons past. And I really think Chauncey deserves a ton of credit for just that internal culture that he has established with everyone in the, in the basketball lop side of things. The demise of Damian Lillard has been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> um, I was talking to some few people in his camp who said that they watched some film with him um, right after he kind of recovered from surgery and was ramping up and compared that to you know, the last couple of years. And what Dame had, did with that injury is almost to the point of miraculous when you consider, you know, a baseball sized knot in his groin that's keeping him from mobility. Obviously he's down for a couple couple more days at least here right now with the calf strain. But in the first what five games, you saw maybe the best version of Damian Lillard physically that we've seen in four or five years. And it was bearing itself out in the numbers. He was finishing seventy one percent of his shots at the rim. That's he's a career 56, 57% guy that burst that we know of that he has was even more apparent, maybe more so than we've seen since he was 25, 26 years old. What else have you seen? Not just from Dame, but just Ant getting a year older, uh, Josh Hart coming into this team, uh, Jeremy Grant being introduced in this team. Like what are the things like you're like, this is different. This is different. This is different. That's standing out to you. Cause the wonderful thing about calling games is you have the best seat in the house. And so you get to see these things up close and personal. What has been so different about this team, the tangible physical things that's different from the other iterations of, of, of the Blazers teams you've seen in the past. You guys have a great eye for it too. So I, I know that you've seen this as well. The level, the number of attackers that they have that can create an advantage mm -hmm. is unlike any season that I've been a part of so far. The amount of different people that can catch the ball on the perimeter and just make somebody help or get a rebound, push in transition, make somebody help uh, is more, is greater than any other season. And that now enables them to run. It kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, they're moving faster. There's a level of, of athleticism that wasn't there before. I think Jeremy Grant is a game changer. Even games when he doesn't score a whole lot of points, just as dynamic, like people are aware of him. They know he can catch in the mid post, turn face. He can play back to the basket. And again, even if it doesn't lead to a score, 
there's always this feeling of there's pursuit to the rim. And when you're out there on the floor, like as people who are sitting on the sidelines, which we all do now, our experience watching the game is different than the guys who are on the floor watching the game. Mm -hmm. So we might see like, Danny, you just went over some of the numbers. So we might see Jeremy Grant go to a post up, uh, let's say five times. Mm -hmm. And he only scores on two. Like that's not great conversion. No, but if he's getting four or five really good shots at the rim, when you're out there playing, you feel that the process, and you know, you know, that's Jeremy Grant mm -hmm. getting really good shots at the rim. Like we got to stop that. Us on a sideline might be able to say, well, you only scored twice. It wasn't five. You're not thinking about it like mm -hmm. that when you're on the floor. So this team now is giving opponents a different feeling than I feel like any team um, in my seven years that I've been here has given opponents. Like there is, there is real fear. We were sitting in uh, the pregame interview for Michael Malone when Denver came to town. Mm -hmm. I never heard a coach talk pregame the way that he was talking about the Blazers. Yep. When the first thing he was saying, we got to get back in transition. We got to, like you can tell in his coaches meeting, they had probably talked about, hey, we can't send everybody to the offensive glass. We got it. And that has not been a thing in the past because mm -hmm. they know not only is it Josh Hart that gets the ball, if Jeremy Grant gets the ball, if Ant gets the ball, who you just, anybody, whoever gets the ball, they're running. And like, they're going at our necks all the time. And now like the whole dynamic has shifted where the one thing that <clears throat> I feel like the team would have been very well law for being able to do sooner is have times when Dame can be a trailer into the play or Ant the way that he scores a ball mm -hmm. where they're not being located right away every time where defenses are basically setting up help position, communicating pick and roll before those guys even cross half court. So now what's happening is Jeremy, Justice, um, Josh Hart, it'll be trending Wofford when he gets back. Those guys are creating offense so soon and then allowing Ant and Dame to like run into plays. That's so hard to guard against when those guys are running into a situation. Like those are drills you do. You do those drills in practice where as a defender, you sit under the three-point line, the guy is going to be a half court who's going to get the ball. He runs into the play. And now you're trying to guard like almost in a closeout situation. The point of it is because that's super challenging. So in practice, you try to work on that so that in the game, it's not as hard or in the game, you hope you have help set up and things like that. These guys are creating that situation for opponents with regularity in games. So it's just really that whole team effect of having so many attackers. That is the most tangible difference to me of any other season that, that I've been a part of. I'm glad you mentioned Lamar the feel, right? Because it's different for them on the court. And, and what may look bad to us may not look or feel as bad to them. Cleaning the glass has it right now. Their turnover percentage on offense, they're 26. So they're like, they're in the bottom four of the league. They're struggling with turnovers right now. I know they've talked a lot about that. Do you feel like they're seeing it different where this is, is it chemistry? Is it, you know, how do we attribute turnover problems and how to get better in it? It's even so early in the season. Yeah, I don't think there's any excuse for that at all. I think that's just, that's bad basketball a lot of times. Now, if it's a turnover, as you guys are aware, that you're making because you're making the right play. Maybe the defense did something to force that turnover. Nobody's tripping about that. Yeah. Coach Billups is okay with that. 
because that's basketball. Mm -hmm. It's the other stuff. It's the playing up late against the shot clock, getting a shot clock violation when the defense didn't force you to do it. It's calling a play and everybody not getting to their positioning. And so um, now you throw a bad pass or something like that. Like those are the things that I would attribute to guys still getting accustomed to one another, Dame and Ant, that whole uh, dynamic mm -hmm. of that backcourt of like, all right, who's setting up this play at this time? Who's taking it here? Who's doing it? Like that stuff still needs to be worked out, but they are still, they are having far too many turnovers that are un, unforced, unprovoked. And uh, I don't think there's an excuse for that. And that's something that they take ownership of. And also something that as an announcer of the team encourages me because that stuff you can control. Like the times when the ball's just being thrown away and uh, there was no reason for that, like, as a team, you can control that. You can get better at that. So it excites me to think like, okay, if if they get a handle on that or when they get a handle on that, now you're giving all these attackers so much more opportunity. Um, so, uh, and then also with that, Brandon, is uh, the pace of play, I think, does does contribute to that a little bit. These guys are playing at a, at a different speed throughout most of the game than they have in years prior. And uh, you got to learn how to make those decisions at that quick rate, that quick speed. So I, I do think it will all get better. Uh, we'll get you out of here on one of these here because we, we, we do need to make sure we keep the uh, the PR guys happy. Uh, oh, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, get, you don't get four days off very often, so you might as well take it. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. Um, the Blazers added a lunatic to their team last year and Josh Hart. <laughs> and I mean that in the most endearing manner possible. Mm -hmm. Um Chauncey has alluded to more than a few instances in practice already where he has basically got to restrain him. And again, I mean that in the most endearing manner possible. What has it been like having him around this team? Because the Blazers have missed a guy like this. They have not had a guy like this. Wes was probably the last guy they had who had a little bit of a screw loose. Um, and it's not exactly shocking that the Villanova guy and the Marquette guy both have kind of the same mentality um, that kind of tracks right along with, with what I expect from those guys. What have you taken from Josh, not only last year in that, that limited run that he got, but really leading into this year? Cause he, he did an interview with, with Brooke and Casey where he basically says, I'm a, I'm a bleepity bleep. Like I, I know that's who I am. And I know that gets out of control and I know that's sometimes problematic, but I love basketball more than anything. And we're seeing around the league right now, where basketball is not always the most important thing <laughs> for everybody on the floor. So what has it been like being around Josh, not only during the games, but like how he conducts himself in practice and that competitiveness, that fieriness, and just kind of how that kind of goes through the team now. I was in a practice facility in September. This is before training camp started and they were playing pickup games this day. I'd been there the whole week and, um, <clears throat> most of the guys had filtered out of the building and Josh was shooting free throws. I think there might've been three players total on the floor at different baskets. So Josh had the baskets himself and he's like shooting free throws. He made most of them and then he missed one. And when he missed it, he got the ball, dropped the ball, booted it all the way up. It hit the, I think it hit a light. It hit the ceiling. I thought it hit a light. Cause I was thinking like, wait, could that, mess up the light could that break up the light <laughs> booted the ball yelled went back to shooting his free throw and then that was it 
And that's, that's who, this is just a random September day. This isn't training camp. They were there for pickup games, but that's who he is. So when, when you hear those stories about like how much this consumes them, I got a chance to see it live and in person. And I've, I, throughout the years, like I've seen super intense basketball players and stuff like that. Like at this moment, I didn't think the situation was that bad. I thought, <laughs> I thought you made most of your free throws. Like he'd miss one and uh, responded that way. But that tells the story of how much every single bit of it matters to him. And a lot of times the phrase um, for a guy that like plays hard, the phrase gets tossed around of, and he doesn't take a playoff. And it's like, that's not true. There's people who take a playoff. Mm -hmm. There's people who take a, which is totally normal throughout the course of an NBA season or just even a game. I really don't think Josh Hart takes a playoff. Watch him, watch him every time the team's running back on defense. He's in tune. He's alert. If there's something to talk, he talks through it. Offensively, he's getting it. He's going. He's creating fast breaks out of nothing. And I think that's the biggest thing I can say about him is I really don't think he takes a playoff in the literal sense. He doesn't take a playoff after a pickup game and he's shooting free throws. Like every single bit of it matters to him. And I have not seen one thing, one example where there's a training camp practice or pickup game or whatever, where it's different. And that is so unique to me. I don't know that I've seen that before. And that's not to me, like that's not even, that's not even an indictment on other players around the league, because I think it's perfectly normal to take a playoff when you play the kind of minutes he plays. It's one thing if you're like some bench guy that only plays five minutes a game, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a starter that um, isn't just the defensive specialist. Mm-hmm. Or is not just like he's expected to play the all around game and he doesn't take anything off? I think he's really transformed this team and has allowed them to play. I think he's the catalyst of this up-tempo play of, like you said, just that attitude that he carries. Um, it's He's a difference maker. And that's why Dame loves him the way he loves him. That's why his teammates love him. Coach Billups loves him. I think he's really special. And I know I know when you start getting around trade season and stuff, you know, it's it's the job of Joe Cronin to look at assets. And I don't know what direction he's going to go with that ultimately. But Josh Hart is a tremendous asset. Also a tremendous player to have for the way that this team plays. So I'm interested to see kind of, man, how does this all pan out? I know Josh loves his time with the Blazers. He loves his team. He likes how things are going. I know the Blazers feel the same way, and I hope it can remain. But I know he's going to be a sought-after dude. When you know people are now getting a chance to see what he's capable of, and it's nice to see. For me, like I, I like when like the the collegiate dudes who have proven themselves are still valued. You know, like so much of the league is potential, and you know, let's give a guy a chance. Let's throw this flyer, and it's like you got this guy who's a champion who has won. Everywhere he's been, he's proven that he can do this. So none of this should be a surprise. Like he's done this. So I'm happy for Josh. I'm happy that Josh has even gotten this opportunity to show what he probably feels he could have been doing consistently as a starter throughout his whole career. Two quick questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. Take your time. I I, I, I just got two more real quick. Yeah. Last time, because I I text with some Blazer fan buddies of mine, 
And oftentimes we see you on the telecast and you're always smiling and you're always upbeat and you're positive. Last time Lamar heard was kick the ball, add a light, <laughs> scream an obscenity, whatever it was. You stubbed your toe in the middle of the night. You had you packed the wrong suit, whatever it was. The last time Lamar heard got legitimately upset. I get upset often. It's not on. It's not you know in public forums, typically. But the times I get upset is when I feel I. I don't know if anything bothers bothers me more than somebody that has power and influence and they abuse it. Hmm. When I see a leader, buddy, who, this is a rough time for you. When I <laughs> when, when I see a leader, whether it's of a team, yeah. a business, and they have a chance to set a culture and an attitude and just an energy about what they're doing for other people that impact their lives. And not only do they not do that, but then they do the opposite. And people are coming to work and they're not happy and they don't feel like they're a part of whatever's going on. And that, that upsets me. That upsets me like no other. That's the, that's maybe more than anything else. That's what I have a huge problem with. And I'm in sport. You guys are in sports, sports, Sports has as much influence as almost anything else. Mm -hmm. Like um, there's, there's things like, I know, I know there's certain doors that have been opened to me or for me because of my affiliations within sports mm -hmm. or because of my resume or past with sports. And I feel like the worst thing I could ever do in that situation is not use that for something positive, but rather feel like I'm above somebody else who doesn't have the same affiliation and the same resume. When I had the opportunity to set a whole different standard and a whole different culture. So like when I see that, that's when I have a real, real problem. Like I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a kick the ball dude. Like I can, I can let a lot of stuff brush off and keep it moving. But when I see that, I have a hard time with that. And that's, that's, that really ruffles my feathers in a different way than most things. And how often does your wife make fun of your bachelor days where you tried to be a bachelor? <laughs> Dude, this, this is a whole different, we'd have to do a whole different podcast. On this because <laughs> <laughs> didn't, I didn't forget those days, man. I didn't forget those days. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Yeah. I don't know if you even knew what those days were about because my wife and I were dating during those days. We were together. No kidding. So, yes, because The Bachelor was never about actually getting on The Bachelor. I had to sell it that way. Otherwise, my whole plan would have been foiled. But what I was trying to do at that time, I was working in youth basketball. And there's some stuff that I wanted to do for the kids I was working with. One of those things was I wanted to establish a facility. I wanted to get a home for the kids that they could have where they can always go somewhere. Because that's what I had growing up for me. My mentor... Uh, growing up for me was next to my mom, the most influential person in my life and really helped me kind of stay on the straight and narrow. And so I wanted to provide our kids with a similar type of structure where there was a home base where they could always be around people. And so through a series of conversations without going through all this in detail, um, one thing that I had thought of through a conversation with a friend is if we can meet somebody who might share a similar interest or passion that has the means to help us make this happen, then we want to do it. 
So the name Oprah got thrown out there. And so I was like, man, I got to meet Oprah. And this all stems off of, we were talking about Kobe Bryant earlier, mm -hmm. that whole, this all, the pursuit of Oprah stemmed off of an experience I had with Kobe Bryant two or three months prior to this time where I had never met Kobe, never talked to him, never nothing. And I randomly said, it's crazy that I haven't met Kobe considering the basketball circles I've been in and the people that I know at Nike and stuff. Three weeks later, Kobe Bryant was in the back of my car. And that's a whole that's a whole different story itself. So the way that came about got me into this mode where I was like, oh, I can meet Oprah too then. Cause I just said three weeks ago, <laughs> I I never, I'm serious. No, I, I believe it. Different yeah. headspace. I believe that. And yeah. so, and so the way that I thought to do it is my assistant at the time uh was trying to get me on The Bachelor for like years because I was single for years and I would always say no. But then when it when I tied in, like, hey, maybe if I release this campaign, say the first black bachelor. As soon as I put the word black in there, that's going to catch on. Um, that's yep. going to go viral. And <laughs> yep. it did. And it did. Yeah. I did. And I made a trailer. It went viral. Yeah. And it became this thing. And uh, it got pretty crazy. It got pretty intense where I was hearing from everybody, ABC, uh, E! Hollywood, all these people. And the Bachelor people even had me go down to the office in Southern California and interviewed me. And after that, somebody had asked me, he's like, because there's only like three or four people who knew that I wasn't really trying to get on the show. And he said, what are you going to do if they actually invite you to go on the show? Because I was I was dating my wife at the time. So it's not like I'm really trying to go right. meet somebody. Right. And um, it kind of got to a point where it's like, man, I don't even really know because I, I haven't accomplished a goal yet. So I don't want this all to die down. And I had a group of parents that uh, were parents of the kids I was working with at that time that pulled me aside one day and they were like, you know what, this whole bachelor thing, um, we don't know what's going on, but it just doesn't seem like something you would actually really be interested in. What's going on? And me and that group of parents, we went to a restaurant in downtown Portland. This is the summer of 2012. And I told them what I was trying to do. And they were like, shut all that down. We'll try to help with the youth organization and try to figure this out. We're not Oprah, so we're not giving you Oprah money or nothing like that, but, <laughs> but let's figure out a different way to go about this. And I emailed the people at The Bachelor and told them, thank you for all the last you know, the last few months, uh, but I'm officially out of the running. And I don't know if they would have picked me anyway, but I wanted to do that so that it didn't get to that point. Because prior to that point, they invited me to come on The Bachelorette and to go on The Bachelor pad. And I declined them both. And even when they said The Bachelor pad and I declined, they were dumbfounded because they said, wait, are you sure? Because most people don't turn that down. They said it's a chance to win $250,000. And then also, if you come on that, even if you don't win, once you get into our franchise, that makes it easier for us to possibly when they promote you at the bachelor. Yeah. And I said, no. I said, no, because they didn't know I'm not trying to actually get on the show or win money. I need to generate enough buzz where I feel like this is going to get to Oprah. <laughs> And the only way I'm gonna do that is if my name and the bachelor's attached to it. So like it's a it's a whole long story. I, I really I really thought at dinner you were gonna say that the parents we sat down and one of them goes, "I'm best friends with Oprah." Like oh, I thought no. that's where that was going. The way Kobe was been in a nice your ending. Yeah, that would have been a nice ending. That's but a good no. story. That's a good backstory though. I didn't know that. That's most people don't. It's probably the most misunderstood thing in my life, which I understand. 
I was rooting for you. You're Beaver. I was like, yeah, let's get some Oregon State. And I appreciate that. I appreciate (laughs) everybody (laughs) that have my backs. (laughs) So, so, so Oprah never reached out. No, no, no. Once it once it died down in 2012, it was. Get a hold of Stedman. I mean, it's probably a lot easier, and just go through Stedman. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not doing the same stuff that I was doing then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, the thing that's become cool about even my role with the Blazers is, like I was saying, I know sports gives you a certain platform ability to do do things. And there's been some things I've been able to be a part of that has, uh, you know, blessed other people in certain ways who deserve it. Like they are, there's just so many good people doing like good stuff, but yeah. they're not the ones who are celebrated the way athletes are celebrated. And so through my role and uh, just certain doors that have uh, fortunately been opened with the Blazers, like I've been able to help those people in a way that back in 2012, I wish like somebody would take serious what I was trying to do. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's in a cool way, worked itself out where it's not the direct me meeting Oprah, me building a facility for a group of kids, but I've been able to see other people do similar stuff. And that's, that's been just as good. All right, man. Well, we've kept you long enough. We appreciate you more than, you know, um, Folks, you can find Lamar uh, on social media at L underscore her. You can watch him during every Trailblazers broadcast alongside his broadcast partner, Kevin Calabro. Uh, real quick, thank you, Lamar, for joining us, man. We really appreciate you. Um, you can find the show uh, at Jack Ramsey's uh, across uh, wherever you get podcasts on YouTube. If you're watching live or you're watching the replay, please click subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, other than that, you can find uh, myself and Brandon on social media at Danny Morang, at, Bragg- at Brandon Sprague, and at Jack Ramsey's for the show. Email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. We will catch you guys uh, later this week. And then Brandon's got something to say. I just want to add one more real quick since we're still live and before we cut out. Uh, I just wanted to thank you publicly, actually, because um, – you know, you and Dame both work with Park Rose High School students, and I, I don't yeah. think – well, I, I know some people do, but having actually gone to Park Rose myself, like I, I know what that district and school is is kind of largely been. And so, like, I know how important and vital that community work is to those kids because we didn't have a Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have a Lamar Heard. And, and seeing you guys actually do what you do, I just wanted to thank you publicly – because I'm a Park Rose alum and a lot of those kids get forgotten over in that side of town. So I just appreciate it. Uh, thank you for saying that, man. It's, it's really been a, a pleasure doing it. And uh, one of the groups over there that um, I do that in connection with is Elevate Oregon, which is a youth mentorship group. And, you know, that's a perfect example of there's these people who are doing that work every day. Like I, I go and do it when I can. I'm not right able to do it all the time but there's a group of people who are it's like we're on the same team like you and i we're on the same team we both want to see park Rose succeed and so i just feel like there's so many elements of life where it's like man how do we do this how do we do this together it might be in different ways but the goal is the same of what we want to see happen so i appreciate you saying that i appreciate the work elevates done over there and uh the park Rose staff because you're right it's, it's not easy and uh, we have an opportunity to help out. So it's it's really simple in my book. And as always, Lamar's the best, guys. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and take a part and, uh, of, in the Blazers broadcast, and uh, we will have you guys covered uh, where Lamar and Kevin will be calling all the games on the six-game road trip. You can participate in, the obviously, the watch parties. Just uh, go ahead and subscribe to Jack Ramsey after you join, and that will get you into all the watch parties all year. That's, what, 40 
40 more games? <laughs> we only had one, one, one road game. One so far, road right? game, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, two, I, two. Sacramento, LA. There you go, yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you guys before I go. Yeah, what's up? Tomorrow, mm-hmm. Ja Morant, Shaden Sharp. Mm-hmm. Who has the most bounce? Okay, so that's per, it's it's per diff- capita per capita. It's got to be Ja, doesn't it? Like six foot nothing, jumping as high as it looks as Shaden is. Like not to disrespect Shaden. No. But. What you got, Danny? I was saying it's different kinds of bounce. Ja's yeah. got those bird bones, where he looks like he doesn't weigh anything when he floats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chauncey said something today that again, Chauncey's not a guy that hands out compliments like this. He mm-hmm. said Shaden's game reminds him a combination of Brandon Roy and Vince Carter. Mm-hmm. Like, Shaden's got that ferocious bounce, mm-hmm. so it depends on what, you, what your preference is. I bet you if you put them on the measuring stick, Shaden has more legitimate bounce. But I think Jaw has that float quality because he's got those bird bones. He's, yeah. he's, he just He's kind of spindly, and he just kind of looks like he hangs up there. Yeah, so, but I I bet you if you measured them, Shaden's got more actual bounce. I I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, yeah, there's like a thunder with Shaden's jumping mm-hmm. that just hits different. Well, I ask you guys that because I was curious what your thoughts are, and then also that is one thing Shaden mentioned to me is I asked him because I said, "Is there somebody who impresses you with their bounce?" Because somebody yeah. like you, there's probably only. Five people in the, five world. in the league who have that right bounce. in the world. Yeah, <laughs> that would impress you with the bounce. Mm-hmm. And the one name he said was John Morant. He's like, that's somebody who he looks at, and he even said he tried to model some of his game after once he started getting good in high school, which is interesting. I hadn't heard that before. A combination so of watching combination of Man. John Morant, Devin Booker, Brandon <laughs> Roy, and Vince Carter. Say hell Don't forget Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Don't hey, forget Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Hey, and the fact that there's legitimacy to all of those comparisons <laughs> yeah. tells you how okay, special he You know, is. I said we'd get you out of here, but I got to throw this one at you because this is, this is the Go conservative ahead. one that I threw out last week. Okay. The conservative projection that I have for Shaden on what we have seen is current era Andrew Wiggins at the guard position. A very good individual defender, an elite athlete, a knockdown shooter, a guy that runs the channels. He may not be the creator that he could be later in his career, but just looking at his game right now, I looked at the kind of like the smaller version of the Golden State Andrew Wiggins. And I've, I've had some people say, yeah, I get it, but I think he'll be better. I'm like, do you understand how good Andrew Wiggins <laughs> is? <laughs> yeah. We just want a little more, Danny. That's all. I, we just want I get more it. Than I, I'm, I am a guy that like says. I want Clay Thompson. You know listen, what I mean? I want Steph Curry. Like, I want I mean, the best listen, of the best. And it's a guy who, when he first came out, the first time I ever saw him play, I said, that's a guy who can get his shot off against literally anybody in the NBA. I don't know what he'll turn into, but I know he's got right. one of the a, a, a legitimate top five shot creation platform in the league. Day one. I don't know what the rest of the stuff is. I look at Shaden right now. I go, you put a ball in front of him defensively. He's got natural inclination and, and talent defensively. Mm-hmm. You get him running a channel. He's incredible. You give him some space to knock down a shot, he's got some juice to him. But what we haven't seen yet is his ability to create, both off the dribble and for others. I I don't know what's in that package outside of what the I've seen the EYBL stuff. I think he can do that. And now now you're just teasing. No, I'm not. (laughs) 
I'm not. I, I've seen reason to believe that he can do that. And I think the more, you guys know how this works, the more, uh, the greener your light gets mm-hmm. to do in a real game, mm-hmm. what you're capable of doing, because those are two different things. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of practice all-stars that never, you don't see that skill on the floor. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Shaden. So like he is, he has shown that ability to do that. And I, I try to be careful um, with putting an expectation. And I know yeah. that's not what you're doing. Yeah. So like, I try to be really thoughtful of that because I don't ever want this to be something that throughout his career, it's not like he's listening to me, but if, if, if this narrative starts to take over of he's supposed to be this and mm-hmm. he doesn't turn out to that, I don't want him feeling like he didn't live succeed. up to something. Yeah. Like you're saying, if you do just, if you turn out to be Andrew Wiggins, man, that was a, you, <laughs> you are a very, very good NBA player. You're an all-star. Yes, yeah, two hundred million dollar contract. You know what I'm like, saying? Like, like, yeah, come on, like, man, like, it ain't all bad. No, no, but, no. But if you, but if you told me he was a mixture of all those names we just talked about, there, there is not one part of me that would be not even shocked, surprised. He's got some different stuff, man. That's a that's it's a mutant I can get behind. Yeah. A hundred percent. As always, man, we can get behind you. We love you. We appreciate you uh, taking the time. Likewise, man. I, I know you're about to go out on one hellacious road trip. Uh, yeah. Six games in eight nights. Uh, it gets very, very dicey. A five and one start. The Blazers take on the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night. And uh, Chauncey has already said Damian Lillard will not play tomorrow night. So one would assume we probably see Shaden Sharp make his national uh, TV debut for, for mm. ESPN tomorrow night. So uh, it's a fun thing to get hyped up for. Again, Laura, thank you for taking the time, folks. Again, like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, we will be there. Have you uh, covered for every game of the road trip? I'll be in the building tomorrow night. Uh, as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, barring uh, going to double overtime, I will probably do another insane late night show at midnight because uh, everybody keeps loving those. Uh, For Brandon and Lamar. (laughs)